Good morning. How you guys doing? Awesome, man. Great to have you guys uh, with us this morning. Excited about that. We have uh, been in a core value series. Um, this is our second week of our core value series. Uh, who remembers what last week was? Live by faith. Everybody say that. Okay, so the question is, did you actually take time to listen? Okay, okay, got a few, like three of you, that's cool. Awesome, that's great. But so we're, so we're looking at our core values. I, I realized that last week um, what we did was actually had all these buckets up here, and I realized that uh, somebody, somebody's like, well, what were the other buckets for? Well, we have five buckets, uh, five core values, and what we're going to do each week is we're going to have something in each of the buckets each, each week that represent one of our core values. So last week we had mustard seeds, right? And we handed out bags of mustard seeds, right? And so we hope that you took those home as a reminder that living by faith, it's not about how much faith you have, but it's about what kind of faith that you actually have. And that was just really the challenge um, last week. And so we're going to be looking at core value number two um, this week. Um, and the core value number two is obviously all these core values come from Scripture. They are, they are things that as a staff, we sit down and we said, what are some of the things that we believe that the Scripture tells us to do? And we want those things to be our core values. Now, obviously, they're not an exhaustive list, but we felt like as a church, these were the things that we, we were called to. Now, obviously, you as a follower of Jesus, there are many things within Scripture that Jesus told us to do, right? And here's the reality of it is the reality is, is that we are actually supposed to do the very things that Jesus told us to do, right? We're just supposed to do it. It's not like it's a suggestion. It's a command. Now, some of those things were like, man, I don't want to do that. Well, sorry, if you're going to follow Jesus, then that's what you're going to have to do. Because what Jesus did when he came to his disciples in the Gospels, when he came to them, he said, come and follow me. And when he said, come and follow me, that meant they had to leave everything behind. They had to leave everything behind and they had to follow Jesus and they had to do everything they possibly could to live for Jesus, right? And we said last week that there's something, there's one thing to believe in Jesus. It's a whole nother thing to actually live for Jesus, right? And the Bible talks about even the demons believe that there's a God, but if we don't actually start to live for him, then there's something missing in our life, right? If you can't, listen, if you can't look back at the last week and see some things where you actually live different from the world because of what Jesus tells you, then you might have a problem, there might be a problem. If there were some things in your past week that influenced you to do things different from the world, there weren't things that you looked at in the past week that followed the Scripture, you're like, well, I don't know the Scripture, then maybe it's time to start to learn to know the Scripture. It's, it's to start to order your life by something that God has, has given us as a, a, a guidebook, a direction, a map for our life. Because there's, listen, there's a lot of self-help books out there. And if I were to ask you, there are probably a lot of people around here, you're like, oh, I'm reading this book, I'm reading this book, I'm reading this author, I'm reading this author. And that's all great and fine and dandy. But don't replace that with the Scripture. It's not the same. It's not the same. They may, they may reference the Scripture, and that's all great and good. I'm not saying don't read. 
But I'm saying make sure that what you're reading is actually in line with the Scripture and, 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 and follows it. And so this, so this morning we're talking about core value number two, and core value number two is this, live, live, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Now, the question becomes, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And we'll talk about this. Everybody got one of these? All right, pull it out. Get out a pen, okay? You're in, you're in class this morning. All right. That was the people who like class. All the others were like, I don't want to be in class. I do class all week long. So, so there was a guy about 20 years ago. Ashley and I um, were living in New York at the time. We lived on Park Place, not in New York City. No, not. We lived on Park Place in, in Painted Post, New York. Anybody ever heard of Painted Post, New York? Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Small little town, like three people, just us lived in. No, I'm just, just a few more. We lived in, and we had just moved to this house, house built in like 1929. You know, the gutters were falling off, the roof needed to be replaced, all these kind of things were, were happening to it. Um, it had no air. What? I was, from, I was from North Carolina. I'm like, why does a house not have air? I realized real quick, 19 below, you don't really need air. <laughs> right. There's about two weeks in July that, you know, it kind of gets warm, put a little window unit in, you're all good to go. And then it goes right back to cool and it's all good to go. Then you come down here and it's like hell. <laughs> it's hot as all, all week long, right? Uh, which is a place you don't want to go. Okay. And, and so we, we had just moved in. We hadn't been living there really long. And Ashley and I had actually left. We, you know, we had gone somewhere and I came back. I, my yard needed to be mowed. I really hadn't had time to mow my yard. It was getting pretty long. And, and, and we had left and we came back and my yard was mowed. I'm like, who mowed my yard? I don't even know these people. Like, oh, then it must have been somebody from the church, right? Because we had, we moved up there because I was a youth pastor at a church. I'm like, oh, it must have been somebody nice from the church. Nope, they weren't that nice. <laughs> Come to find out, it was our neighbor. Is our neighbor that had moved in. His name was Peter. And uh, come to find out what he had done, I, I realized that he had not only mowed his yard, so uh, it, where we were living, the houses were pretty close together, so it was like bump, bump, bump. And what he had done, he got out his push lawnmower, and he had just gone from one yard to the next yard to the next yard, and then he turned around. He'd go back one yard, next yard. I mean, he's going right over the driveways and right into the grass. He's just pushing right back and forth, you know, and it was pretty awesome. I'm coming like, um, I, so I get home, I'm like, who mowed my yard? So I walk, I'm like, hey, man, you know who, who mowed my yard? He's like, yeah, I did. I'm like, seriously. And what I realized really quick was, and he was not a believer, okay? That's the whole point of this message, or the whole point of this story. He was not a believer, but you re I realized one thing. He actually loved neighbors better than most Christians do. He actually loved, I mean, he was willing, like, really, really. Like, I mean, I, th I, re I think I remember when we backed the truck up and we said, he comes walking out of his house, didn't he? He came walking out of his house. He walks into my truck. He's grabbing stuff out. Where? I'm like, wait a minute. What are you doing? This is weird, right? And I thought people in New York weren't like that. I moved from North Carolina. I can see it being in North Carolina. You know, bring some cookies over, bring an apple pie, right? You're like, we don't do that. Maybe you should. And, and he goes in, he goes, I'm like, hey, man, my name's Chris. I'm like, hey, I'm the youth pastor. He's like, yeah, I know. Wait a minute. What do you mean you know I'm the youth pastor? Small town, right? Everybody found out. 
really quick. But I learned a lot about that. Eventually, we, we, we kept doing life with them which was really cool. Um, we started, we, then we started a small group and come to find out Peter and April um, ended up coming to know Christ. And we loved it, man. But I'll be honest with you, he was more of a neighbor to me than I was to him. If I'm being really honest. He was more of a neighbor to me than I was to him. And at the time, he didn't even know Jesus. He was pretty anti religion, right? And so what we're going to learn this morning is uh, from the scripture is what Luke, um, what the gospel of Luke, this lawyer talks as Jesus was talking to us as followers of Jesus about what does it mean to actually love our neighbor? So if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 10. I'm actually going to start in the first three verses, then I'm going to skip to the end where Jesus actually begins to have this conversation with with this expert in the law, as as Jesus would say, um, and and talks about what it means to to love your neighbor. But verse 1, I I couldn't like, for whatever reason, as I was reading through the chapter, I couldn't get past this these first three verses. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are The harvest is plentiful. And let's be honest, that's still the case today. It's still the case today that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he goes on to say, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Like lambs among wolves. And if we're going to follow Jesus this morning, if we're going to actually do some of the things that Jesus actually tells us to do, what we have to understand is as we walk out into the world, as we walk out into the culture, we're going to be like lambs among wolves. Because they're going to want to do everything they can. The enemy is going to want to do everything he can through people to devour us. Because people are letting the enemy win in their life. God is not ruling their life for, uh, uh, on, in the majority of people. And so we have to understand that that's just going to be the case. We're not going to be, we can sometimes not be the most liked people in our neighborhood. But hopefully we can be liked, Right? Because I believe, I believe that if we go into our neighborhoods to be like Jesus, even if they don't like the fact that we are so-called religious people, which I hate that term, to be honest with you, don't ever use that term with me. I just can't stand it. We're not religious. We're people who love Jesus and have a relationship with him and want to be like him. Religious takes on a whole nother connotation, a negative connotation, just to be really honest with you. And so being able to go into the neighborhood and be like Jesus, I I truly believe that sometimes when the mess hits the fan, then those neighbors will come back and say, man, that person truly loved me regardless of how I treated them. Okay, so then Jesus goes on in the latter part, the latter part of this passage to have this conversation with what he, he termed an expert in the law. 
Okay, it's, it's the parable. Jesus uses a story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. You've probably heard it. You've probably heard it, you've probably heard it in some form or fashion in some way. But hopefully this morning, if you haven't heard it from the Scriptures, then maybe you'll hear it from the Scriptures this morning. Verse 25, uh, 10 verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to in, to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's what I want you to understand is as the, this, this expert in the law was asking about eternal life, what he was trying to do was he was trying to justify his actions. He was trying to justify the way that he was living because we do that a lot. We like to justify the way that we're living and try and help it fit into the box in which Jesus wants it to fit into it. And most of the time, it doesn't work that way. Most of the time, it just doesn't work. So he goes on to say, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when, when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him this, go and do likewise. Now, here's what's really interesting, and you may, know, you may know this or you may not know this, but Jesus gave four, four, four people, right? And only one of them actually stopped to help. The first three actually should have been the ones who should have helped the man. They should have been the ones who actually helped the man, but it wasn't that. And Jesus was using this as a story, as a parable to help us understand that because Samaritans just didn't connect with Jews. They, they, didn't, they didn't do things together. They didn't even talk. They didn't like each other, all these kind of things. And so Jesus here is totally redefining what it means to actually be a neighbor to someone. To be a neighbor to someone, he's taking the most, kind of the most unorthodox in their culture, in their custom, and saying, listen, this is what it should be like. 
Because what was happening is the Jews were believing this. The Jews were believing that it was their responsibility if they were going to be a neighbor to someone to only help other Jews. And Jesus totally took this culture that they were building. He totally crumbled it and redefined it. And he said, no, if you're going to, if you're going to live the law, listen, right? Because this is all written under the law. He's using the law as his justification. If you're going to live under the law, then you have to do things differently. What we know to be true is this, though. Guess what? The law doesn't save us. The law doesn't save us. We can do all these good things. Listen, there are a lot of good people in the world. There are a lot of people who travel overseas and they help people in third world countries and they do a lot of good things. But if it's not in the name of Jesus, then it's just good things. We can, we can listen, you can go and you can, you can mow your neighbor's yard. You can mow your neighbor's yard all day long and you can do something good for them, but there has to be something more to it if we're truly going to live out the very things that Jesus actually wants us to do. There has to be a better intention behind it to why we love our neighbor. So who is your neighbor? Right, okay, 30 seconds. Everybody got a card? Pull it out. Take your pen. I want you to write down your neighbor's names. Ha ha! I gotcha. I want you to write your neighbor's names. One, two, three, go. You're like, my neighbor lives like a mile away. I don't care. Like, if you live out in the country, well, then you better find a neighbor. And it can't be like your pet donkey or your pet cow that you use. It can't be your dog. Hey, hey, hold on, hold on. Write their name. You can't write like crazy cat lady. <laughs> you, you can't, you got to actually write their name. And, and maybe even under there, you need to write, well, what are the things that they like to do or they don't like to do? Or like, have you gotten that intimate with them? Do you actually know them? Do you actually know this? See, that's the whole purpose behind this. Do we actually know the people who live around us or have we become, have we become garage door avoiders? Where, where we pull into, uh, where we, you see, there was something, COVID taught us a lot about being disconnected. Right? And I think what I believe is in the middle of COVID, what we realized, as, except unless you're an introvert. How many introverts in the room? You're like, man, let's go back to COVID. I just sit there like I do nothing, like kind of, oh, yeah, feels good, man. You mean I got to go out of my house? No, I just call and order groceries. They come to my door. You know, I don't have to talk to people, blah, 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 blah. And that's all well and great, but God didn't create you to be avoiders of people. Introverts. And, and so I'm not trying to get up in your grill, okay? I'm just saying that if we're going to live like Jesus, then we got to do things a little bit different. Sometimes we have to live by faith. And we have to take a little risk every now and then. Okay, so here's, here's what I want to say. Man, I'm really jacked up this morning. It's really interesting. 
It's really interesting because I walked in this morning, I'm like, man, I just don't, not really feeling this message. Not sure it's going to be a good one. And that's up to you whether it's going to be a good one. I don't really care. All right. <laughs> and so, so there, there are a couple takeaways this morning because I'm going to eat up all my time. The, the first thing is this, is that we have to take the greatest commandment literally. We have to take it literally. Like Jesus said, I, you know, he's having this conversation with the expert in the law. And we know that at one point, Jesus in Mark 12, 30, he also said the same thing. What are we supposed to do? You know, hey, am I supposed to live by all, how am I supposed to live by all the commandments? Because the reality of it is, guess what? You can't live perfectly by all the commandments. You can't live perfectly by all the commandments, but he put it in simple terms. And probably if I were to ask you, most of you can't even repeat the commandments. Right? And if we go really, really far back, there were hundreds and hundreds of commandments that were given to the Jews that they're like, can you imagine having to try and live under like some 613 laws? And so Jesus says, man, here's what really matters. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as your, as yourself. And so that kind of becomes the teaching. And so what we understand what it means to actually love our neighbor is that we actually have to take that literally. We have to actually take that literally. We cannot just live in life, because as I said, Jesus is redefining what it means to who, who your neighbor is, because what the Jew, the expert of the law was wanting to do, he's wanting to say, hey, as long as I'm a good neighbor to the other Jews, then I'm all good. And what Jesus is saying is, no, you need to be a good neighbor to everybody. Anybody, and it's not just the per right? It's not just the person who lives on the left of you. It's not just the person who lives on the right of you. It's not just the person that lives behind you. It's not just the person who may live diagonally from you. What it's beginning to understand is that your neighbor is not only the people that are literally your neighbors, but it may be people that you come in contact with. But I wanted, what I wanted to start with this morning is, first of all, just love your neighbor. The person who, li- who lives, this is not a Barbie house. I'm not promoting the Barbie movie, okay? No thumbs up on the Barbie movie. Thumbs down for me, sorry. And not, but never mind. But what if we just started actually literally loving our neighbor? Because, yeah, it can be awkward when we go into Walmart and, you know, you have this, like, conversation with somebody or the, the lady back. It can't, it, for, for all, the, all the extroverts, we're like, oh, yeah, this is great. Go get my Coke, my Coke, and I can, you know, I can talk to the person behind the counter. And all the introverts are like, no, just give me my Coke so I can go. <laughs> but what, if it, what would it look like for you to literally just start loving the person that lives beside you? or lives above you, or lives below you. Because again, we have become, we've become a society. It's really interesting. COVID disconnected us, and then we realized that we wanted to be connected, but then we kind of, let's be honest, we kind of got back into our routine pre-COVID, where if we're not careful, we just become garage door avoiders. We pull into our car, we open up our garage right when we pull in, we shut the garage door behind us, and we're like, whew, we're home. I don't have to deal with people anymore. And I think, listen, 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 listen. If we don't get outside the garage door, 
Think about how many people will actually could potentially end up in hell. And all we have to do most of the time is do something simple. It's putting feet to our faith. Like when you're out mowing the yard, you see a neighbor out. You're like, nah, I got to get my yard done because I got to get, get in. I got to watch football. I got to do this. I got to do that. How about just stopping the lawnmower and walking next door and say, hey, man, how you doing? What if you saw your neighbor's yard needed to be mowed? What if you did it? anyway and they didn't know it you're like well they might shoot me <laughs> it's possible <laughs> it's possible so you might you might want to go knock on the door first or text them if you have their phone number you're like I don't even know my how, how I don't have their text I don't even know their name okay let's start somewhere simple take them some cookies yeah we do that in the south it's okay an apple pie they may throw it out, but who cares? You know, COVID, everybody gets freaked out about somebody else bringing food. You know, have they spit in my food, you know? But what, because, because let's be honest, we all have a neighbor we don't like. Most of us have a neighbor that we don't like. And and, and my challenge to you would be, how do you break through that barrier? How do you break through that barrier? Okay, second thing is this. Live the greatest commandment relationally. I already talked about that. Know their name. Not crazy cat lady. Not the dude who rides a motorcycle and he gets up at three in the morning and revs that thing up so loud that he just ticks me off. Guy. But, but know their name. Be as simple as knowing their name. It's really interesting because what if... Because here's what, we like to actually make excuses. We don't have time. You know, look, I, I, I was reading this like commentary on this and it gave me some excuses for the, for the Good Samaritan. What if the Good Samaritans made these excuses? This road is too dangerous for me to stop and help the man. He, he might be a decoy for an ambush. If you think that, you're a conspiracy theorist. Because <laughs> that's probably not going to happen. I've got to, I've got to get to the temple and perform my service for the Lord. Now, that's, that one's reality, right? Because if you're going to serve, then you probably should stop and help a person. Because helping some person probably is a little bit more important than what you may actually be doing. And God may be opening a door of opportunity. Now all our volunteers, they're not going to be here next week because they're going to say, hey, we stopped to help somebody. I've got to get home and see my family. Someone really should help that man. How many times have we gone somebody and said, well, somebody will probably help that guy. If, if I'm going to serve at the temple, I can't get my clothes bloody. I can't get my clothes dirty. I don't know first aid, so I can't help this guy. It's a hopeless case. I'm only one person. The job is too big. Oh, this one, this one. We're really good at this one. 
um, I'll just pray for him. I'll just pray for him. Don't want to get my hands dirty. Don't want to get my clothes dirty. But I'll just pray for, I'll just pray for my neighbor. Don't want to actually get into conversation with him. He brought it on himself. He should have never been alone on such a dangerous road. How about this one? He never asked for help. And so we just avoid it. We ignore it. But how often do we make excuses for things that we can't do? Here's here's a reminder though. Your neighbor is not a project. Your neighbor is not a project. We have to genuinely care for the people around us. And what I love about Jesus saying, love your neighbor, is that he also goes as far as to say, love your enemies and the people that you don't like and the people who don't like you. Last thought is this, make the greatest commandment personal. Make it personal. Take it personal. Make it Make it internalize what Jesus is saying. When he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, take it personal. Make it personal for you. Make it something that you just are asking the Lord to give you that compassion and that care for other people. Because here's here's what's happened. We have become a a selfish society. And for the most part, most of the time, the only thing we think about is ourselves because that's part of the culture trying to tell us that that's all we need to be doing is taking care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of the ones around you. Take care of your loved ones. Do all those kind of things. And I think we have to take it personal that Jesus said, love your neighbor. And what I would encourage you to do is to pray for your neighbor. And so begin to make it personal. Learn their name so that you can pray personally for them. Uh, the, other, the other day, uh, I quite frequently will go home in the afternoon and I'll, I'll go for a walk before, before I I'll get, get home. I'll put my stuff in the house and, and I'll go down to the, uh, to the mailbox. Our mailbox is a couple houses down. And, and one of the things I'll say about this, the place that Ashley and I've always done this, Lord, where do you want us to live? Not like, where do we want to live? But Lord, where do you want us to live? We were downsizing a couple years, about a, uh, close to almost two years ago now. We, we moved into the house. And as soon as we moved into the house, one of the things Ashley and I like doing is we start just praying for our neighbors. And we, even when we don't know our neighbors' names at that point. But it becomes our goal to know our, to know our neighbors. We ran into the neighbors across the street, Tanya and Boris. And they actually come to church here. We took them some cookies. And they're incredible people. We love them to death. It's one of those things we're doing anything for. And um, the neighbors next to us, it's a whole different story. A little bit different situation. And 
And so I try and go home. I try and walk to the mailbox because I have found that my neighbor, his name's Jesse, he sits out on the porch on a regular basis in the afternoon. And it just so happens that he's out there that time. And so I try and make it a regular routine. When I get out of the car, put myself up, I'm going to walk to the mailbox most days because I know Jesse's going to be sitting there. So the other day I was... I had gotten out of the car and put my stuff up and I was, I was walking to the mailbox and I saw him sitting in the car. I'm like, why is he sitting in, he was sitting in the passenger side uh, uh, with a car running. I'm like, why is he, why is he doing that? See, a lot of times we just don't even pay attention to what's actually going on. Because what we want to do is we want to go, we want to get our mail out and we want to go back. And so I was walking, uh, and I see him in the car, and I'm just kind of looking. I'm like, something's going on. And so I walk down, I get, get my mail out, and I'm walking back about that time Jesse gets out of the car. I'm like, dude, what's, what's going on? And the dude just gets out, and he unloads on me and just starts bawling. Lost his brother, you know, back in May, and he just talks about all this anxiety that he's having and that dude just grabs me and hugs me and just cries. But see, that, that wasn't the first time that I had had this conversation with Jesse. There have been multiple times where I stopped and even, you know, a couple months ago, we had this spiritual conversation about, about Jesus. And he's like, man, I'm, I'm a religious person. I'm like, what does that mean, dude? Like, tell me, what do, what do you mean by that? Well, I believe there's a higher power. And I said, hey, man, there's more to having just believing that there's a higher, higher power. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. And, I, and I've probably paid, prayed with him on multiple times. And this dude gets out and he hugs me. And he's like, oh, man, I'm just walking through somebody. And for an hour, 3 o'clock, middle of the afternoon, it's 98 degrees outside. I'm profusely sweating. But I'm like, I got to sit here and listen to this guy because he's really hurting. And I just prayed with him and he hugged me. He, he just, he has a really rough background, didn't know his dad. And he probably has no male figure in his life. I'm like, God, if I can just be maybe that one person. Jesse hasn't come to church here yet. I hope he will one day, but I hope more importantly, he comes to Jesus. My question is, do we truly love our neighbors? You see, I believe it's important for us to build relationships. I believe it's important for us to have spiritual conversations. And I believe it's really important to share Jesus. And sometimes you can share Jesus without even saying words. But Pastor Chris, you don't understand. I'm an introvert. I'm not going to walk next door and I'm not going to hug that person. Then my comment to you would be, do for one what you wish you could do for all. Do for one person what you wish that you could do for all. You see, you can't, listen to me, listen to me. Are you listening? You can't. Love Jesus and not love people. Love for your neighbor is a reflection 
of your love for Jesus. First John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. Romans 12, 9 through 16, Paul was writing to the church in Rome and he said this, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited. That's what Paul was encouraging the church in Rome to say, this is what love looks like. Do you know your neighbor? Do you care enough to know your neighbor? Let's pray. I know Ronnie has already had you do this already this morning. But if you actually know your neighbor's name, would you pray for them by name right now? If you don't know their name, then ask the Lord to help you to begin to know the person who lives on the right and the person who lives on the left the person who lives in front, the person who lives in back, the person who lives above you, the person that lives below you. You see, I believe that God calls his church to be people who love their neighbors. Pray that God would open up doors of, for spiritual conversations. Maybe you know something that's going on in your neighbor's life and you can pray for it. And that maybe you need to go home today and you need to reach out to them and say, Hey, hey man, I know you're walking through cancer. I know you're walking through divorce. I know you're walking through financial difficulty. I know you're walking through this or that. And I just want you to know that God brought you to mind. And I, I, and I, I prayed for you this morning. And I want you to be so bold that if you walk to the mailbox or if you get out and you go for a walk and God gives you an opportunity that you would stop and pray for that person. Don't have the boldness and the courage that in those moments where God may be opening a door that you would just, hey, I'm going to, can I just pray for you right now? Because most of us will say, hey, let me pray for you and then we'll forget not because you didn't want to, but you just forget because there's so many other things going on. 
God, I just pray that in this moment, God, that you would do what only you can do. That you help us to simply do what Jesus said, to love the Lord your God, our God, with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind and with all our strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me? We're going to sing a song. We're sing a closing song. And I want you to use this time maybe to commit something to the Lord. Maybe, maybe it's like, hey, I, you, I, hey, Jesus, help me to know my neighbor. Give me that opportunity. And listen, if you're going to ask for that opportunity, you better be ready. You better be ready. Maybe you're here this morning, you're like, Pastor Chris, I don't even know what you're talking about. You've never given your life to Christ. And maybe this morning you just need to say yes to Jesus. The front part of that command was love God with everything you have. You're, you're wondering, well, what are all these people about here? What, are, what is this church about? We are all about loving Jesus with everything that we have and loving our community, loving our neighbors as ourselves. And we want to do that first. Maybe you want to ask the Lord this morning, hey, Lord, would you help me just to love you first and out of the overflow, right? When we start to love Jesus, there's this overflow that happens that we just can't help but love other people. At least I hope, I think. I think that's the way it works. And so let's commit those things to the Lord this morning. Let's sing.